This is the Wheel of Time podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the Wheel of Time. Episode 2, Shadows Waiting. One conversation, and you're on her side now. What did she promise you last night? That you're the one? Come on, do you really think she's any better than what's chasing us? Of course I do! Those monsters killed Nynaeve and Layla and half the people we've ever loved. Moraine has done nothing but protect us. Tried to keep us safe. Don't you see how pale she's getting, how weak? She's using the one power to keep our strength up at the cost of her own. And she does it. Even with you being the stubborn bastard you are. Welcome back, fellow wheelers. Yes, it is episode two of The Wheel of Time. This is TV Podcast Industries, and you are listening to The Wheel of Time podcast. This episode is entitled Shadows Waiting. Yes, darkness prevails. I am one of your hosts, John. And rounding out this duo. I know. I know. I am Chris. This is the first combo like this. Because you've done it with Derek oh on my your God, own it is. Yeah, it is. for Invincibles, and now it is the two of us. I don't think we've ever done it together. So this is a new combo, uh, fellow wheelers. This is going to be weird. We're going to have to get our dynamic down. I know, we certainly Both of are. us are the quirky one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is going to be strange. This is going to take three hours, I I'd reckon. And just be off the rails for <laughs> majority of the fact. Yes, we don't have our um, sort of authoritarian producer to yeah. keep us in check. So this will be, dare I say it, freewheeling <laughs> all the way across a manner of different or things. Or weaving. Or weaving, yes. Because yeah. the opening titles. So, fellow wheelers, we, we got their screeners... And the first episode had really no opening titles. Second uh, episode, we get the opening titles of The Weave, um, which is really kind of quite cool. And very Aesodai-focused, was not what I was expecting. Absolutely, absolutely. I I do like all the colours at the end spinning around into the um, Oberus, um, yeah. the snake devouring itself. Um, so that's pretty cool. Very much so. As a lover of this series, I was like, oh, there's that. Oh, there's that. As someone coming into episode two of this, they're like, wait, what? Huh? I don't fully... Because <laughs> they haven't fully introduced the colors of the Ace of Die yet or no. anything like that. So I'm like, trust me, people, it will make sense in a while. It it. it it will make sense. <laughs> yes, it, it should do. It should yes. do. Uh, we, we have seen a few. We've seen um, Ace of Die in red yes. at, at the start of episode one. We see Moraine is in blue. So, um, yes, the, there's a, a few colours have been introduced, but not the, the lore around it. Yeah. There was a yellow, but uh, that, that went up in smoke. It certainly Ooh. did. Well, yes, <laughs> we will be getting into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode two, Shadows Waiting. 
Um, but before we do, remember, you can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com to uh, subscribe to the podcast on any good or evil podcast player of your choice. And of course, over on the website, you can also leave a voicemail um, if you want to, to provide any feedback uh, on this first season of wheel of time and of course any emails you can send in uh, your comments thoughts theories um you name it um to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com yes uh with that should we get into the episode details yes do you want to be Derek I know, here I'm be i know Derek. it's great i get, but i'm gonna open with you sure <laughs> so the wheel of time is based on the book series by robert jordan uh right now the show is the showrunner is rafe lee junkins uh this episode was written by amanda kate schumann who previously wrote for the blacklist and wrote two episodes of chuck with showrunner rafe judkins you like chuck oh, don't I you love chuck. yeah yeah every okay. episode of it. it it was a product of his time yeah very much so but it was a, a lot of fun and interestingly, on the first episode, which couldn't uh, join us for, uh, Rafe Judkins was on Survivor, um, at season 11 in Guatemala. So, yeah, interesting he, stuff. He was a writer for it, or he was no, actually on he it? He was actually on it. Did he win? So he has survived, um, <laughs> at least until he got voted out. I can't remember that, that season. But, um, yes, Outplay, outwit, outlast. Um, so I guess there's a bit of that he can channel into um, this 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 chase across uh, the world of the Wheel of Time, to be oh. honest, to survive. He'll be saying, yes, so and th- this is how you create <laughs> fire from flint. Yes, and this is how you eat a weird bug. This episode was directed by Uta Breitwitz. Uh Uta had previously directed two episodes of a little thing we had covered called yeah. Jessica Jones. A whole episode of The Iron Fist and an episode of The Defenders where they all came together. Yes. That, that, that the fledgling shows that brought us together. Exactly, yes. yeah. On, on uh, The Defenders. And, and now we have our fellow wheelers. So, yes. yeah, all good. Yes, it was good. But should we get into it? John, do you want to give us a synopsis of this episode? Sure. Relentlessly pursued by Trollocs, Rand, Matt, Perrin and Egwene flee from the two rivers as they race to get to the White Tower at Tarvalon. At Taran Ferry, the group manage a temporary reprieve from their hunters as they make it to safety, crossing the deep river of Taran. Once across the river, Moraine destroys the ferry to prevent the Trollocs crossing, but this leads to the death of the ferryman. Moraine's apparent lack of concern for his death makes the four companions become increasingly unsure of their rescuers, and differing opinions reveal cracks between the villagers. That night, as the group set camp to catch their breath, Moraine's wound and use of the true source begin to take their toll. But she also begins to teach Egwene about the oath of the Aes Sedai, and reveals Egwene's ability to touch the true power. But other magic is at play that night as all four villagers experience the same disturbing dream as they are visited by a dark figure with eyes like embers. Shaken and on edge, Rand challenges Moraine and Lan, asking them what their true intentions are for taking them to Tarvalon, causing further disagreements in the group. But later that day, with Moraine seriously weakened from her injury, the group must run for their lives as the Fade and its Trollocs finally catch up with them. 
To escape, Lan employs a desperate tactic as they take shelter in the abandoned city of Aridal, known as Shador Lagoth, the Trollocs dare not enter. That night, as the others sleep, Matt is woken up by noises and investigates. Outside in the street, he notices what appears to be a shadow of a man. Following it, he is led to a small room where he discovers an ornate dagger with a ruby at its hilt, which he takes. Meanwhile, the traveller's horses are spooked as the shadows begin to lengthen in the city. Suddenly, one of the horses is consumed and turned to ash by the shadow. As the darkness spreads, it separates the group as they flee to escape the city and the encroaching menace. Rand and Matt make it to safety, as do Egwene and Perrin, but the group is split. Separately, Lan manages to carry Moraine to safety. As her health fades, but as Lan stops to see what he can do, a blade is pressed to his neck. First thoughts on episode two. This is my part of my childhood come to life. Uh, come excellent. to screen. Um, it is... There's definitely some uh, choices taken with the characters. Um, and I'm not in a bad way. I'm enjoying this quite a lot. Yeah. Um, it's just, Rand is a douche. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's just, I, I remember him being a bit more sheep herderish. Yes. Uh, a bit more kind of in the beginning, quite, um, less douchey, yes. I guess. Yeah, probably. Yes. Less douchey. Yeah. Um, but he just, he seems to be a bit more aggressive and kind of opinionated in this, in this episode. And you can really see it. They're they're obviously leading leaning into this dark figure, this the fear of the Aesodai and what are their true intentions? What do you want with me? Exactly. Um but yeah, overall really enjoyed it. What about yourself? Yeah, I I mean, I thought this really built on, on the first episode. I mean Second time of watching the first episode, I really enjoyed it uh, much more than the first. And I think, you know, just the minor quibbles, a lot of exposition, but we're, we're being introduced to an entirely new world with all its traditions and lore. So you, you can get that. I think that's why Matt stands out um, in this group um, of four, because very much you're seeing his story play out. Yeah. He... he he has done very little exposition, unlike Rand speaking with his father, or uh, Egwene with Nynaeve, and of course Lan and Moraine, they're kind of central um, vehicles for this. But I think, you know, that's minor quibbles for me. You you have to do that. I mean, uh, you, you've got to do that in, in, a, in a show like this. So, um, But I just felt the story here started to begin to, shall we say, go at a canter uh, uh, on these horses Um, and I I really really enjoyed it and and again um, yeah that the the whole end section I I really really loved Uh, and Matt getting his um, I guess his present shall we say um, is is very very cool uh, indeed but um, should we get into our top spokes uh, of uh, of the episode? Um, kicking off, um, top spoke number one, we have the White Cloaks. Officially in here now. Yes. The third true fraction, yeah. if you want to call it, of the, the Wheel of Time kind of, well, at, right now, the third, the third fraction. Yeah, it, it really builds that sense that, the Aes Sedai, whilst they are this sort of noble 
very powerful group. Um, you know, you see the distrust with the with the um with Matt and Rand and Perrin. Uh, you, you you see, you know, they're a bit unsure about uh, the these people. I mean, they've only just met them, but what you get the sense here is that uh, you know within this world there are people not simply that they distrust them or are suspicious with them there are people actively working against the the Aes Sedai yeah. and like brutally so i mean whatever about having a sort of hors d'oeuvre that is going to strip your mouth um, and and make it bleed a bit like a crusty baguette, dare I say it. Um, you know, <laughs> it was that moment seeing, you know, ha- he was having that conversation. Okay, kind of knew that she was going to get burnt alive because, the, you know, the fire had been started. But it was as her two hands were on the table next to it, and you thought, oh, okay, so you also basically took off her hands. And I get it, it's so she can't wield the true power. But... Yeah, this was brutal, and um, I loved the the camera going into his goblet, mm. um, and just seeing the reflection of the acid eye being burnt uh, alive. And and again, he he's got his collection of rings, so I guess uh, he'll add to them All over the course. And I don't actually know the character here, um, because it's certainly. An early introduction of the yes. White Cloaks, um, but it's a good one because you, you get the sense that they're looking for um, followers of the Dark One. But certainly in, in in the first book, I never really got the sense that they're certainly against the Aes Sedai, but I don't think there was anything like this happening. And um, so this was like, oh, wow, okay, they they have this element to them as well. Yeah. And actually a bit like the Aes Sedai... They're not particularly liked either by sort of town folk nope. and, and city folk. They're 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 kind of it. They're almost like the Spanish Inquisition to some extent. And nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. The the white cloaks are very much a militaristic religious order, but more heavy on the military. <laughs> and they're, 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 they're very much they they they're commanders and chiefs and sergeants. And the one whole arm of their intelligence arm is the questioners. And they are the Spanish Inquisition yeah. style. They torture away um, to root out the Dark One and his minions. Visually, this is stunning. This was something I always expected more chainmail when I was reading the books around them. But this very clear, stark, the stark, stark white uniforms... Yeah, against the kind of more muted colours of the the lands that they're in. You still have the quite luscious greens, but it was it's Austria, so it's still kind of dark when yeah. it was filmed. So you had this just brilliant white. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this very much sets them apart from everything. Yeah, and and you see even when um they they are. As you said, the the introduction as the the questioner is eating that quail sparrow, sparrow, I guess. yeah, some type of bird, <laughs> yeah, and yummy. It's, it's just the blood on his lip, uh, and then yeah, dabbing it onto the kind of the napkin, and then the stark red on the napkin. Yeah. You're even like, 
okay, everything is clean. It, it's almost like that monk thing as well of self-flagellation where it's, okay, I have to torture myself even when I'm eating. Yeah. I can't even enjoy eating um, in that sense, you know? Yeah, no, it is. It, it's also that just the question is a complete psycho. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I have to say, loved his psycho-ness yes. uh, here in, in this. I mean, because when, when they meet with the, the Moraine and Lan and, and the rest of the group... And she gives Lan the ring so that it hides her identity. I love the the precision of him. Like he was, you know, he was checking her hands, and I was thinking, you know, when I take my ring off, there's that sort of little indentation. I'm like, that's really clever that he's checking yeah. the hands. And of course, you, you get that really uh, nice threat almost. I mean, it, it is literally as though he knows that she is. Um, but I guess the story is good enough and the talk of the, the Trollocs yes. coming ha- has kind of shifted the focus of the White Cloaks, but he'll say, you know, I'll remember your face for when we meet again. Um, and he just seems to really enjoy uh, his, his job spec, I yeah. guess. Well, so like we, we drip, they, they do drip feed lots of information here. One thing I'm starting to find is a lot of the, the lore is being very subtly dropped. Very subtly dropped. Yeah. So one bit is about the true source and Moraine refreshing the um the, the stamina of the horses yes. using the power the, the true the true one the true source the true power the one power or whatever. Um <laughs> multiple names. Multiple names. Yeah. But essentially she's using that. That is very just a, it's a splink and you'll miss it moment. Yeah. The second one, especially around the white cloaks, is they he mentions the questioner, eight Aesodai left the tier uh of Tarvalion uh and went into the world. And then Moraine later says he had seven of my sister's rings. Yes. So Moraine is the eighth. So we now know the other seven and their warders are no more. Yeah. So well, that's true because they Ace and I are all accompanied by warders. At least one warder. Yeah, and they presumably are taken out as well as part of this because yes. they will defend the Ace and I um, to the death. Yes, like they're bonded effectively. Yeah, uh, aside from one side of the 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 uh, the Ace and I, which are the Reds, but that's a, a different story, and we'll probably get into that later. Yeah. We see see them in episode one, and there was they they. Go with their sisters. They are just with their sisters, not with any warders. But yeah, really great introduction. Again, this also splits the White Cloak party. We see the questioner go off with a contingent to continue to root out the Ace Eye menace. Yeah. And the rest of the White Cloaks are off to Talon Ferry uh, to uh, face the Trollocs. Or at yeah. least attempt to where they're probably gone at this point. No, absolutely. I mean, e- even the little kids serving that loot it up um for for the questioner um seem pretty afraid of him as well so i mean these are you know the white cloaks they they look pure they are have the i guess the color of good in terms of white but far from it they they have their own um sort of distrust and, and fear throughout um this world as well so 
Um, yeah, good introduction here. And I, as I say, the, the, the main questioner, um, was just really, really good. Um, as he says, you know, my role is for a higher purpose and yeah. um, all, all linked into the kind of this, re- the religion, uh, and, and the law of, of this world. Um, and we will m- definitely be seeing them again. Oh, they, they, will feature heavily across this season and I think even greater into season two um, because they do pay a, a large part in the overall story. Um, but what about we move on to spoke number two? Yes. On the run, on the ground and in their dreams. Yeah. I mean, this is basically, you know, the flight from the, the Twin Rivers uh, and you have the, the Trollocs really chasing them down i I was saying last um in in the last episode i i love how the trollocs are realized here oh my god they're they're so good and like you're starting to see more of them in this episode so there was a bit more bestial kind of rams and bears in the first one but here we're starting to see the odd beak we're starting to see runners almost like the beast like ones that are on all fours all fours some stood up on their hind legs, yeah. like we were saying, like uh, minotaurs yes. type thing. And uh, yeah, really, you, they they do give a good sense of um, a, a good sense of danger. I think re- really well because I guess maybe a bit like say some of the orcs or whatever from Lord of the Rings. They do actually seem to be proficient in what they do. Oh, yeah. Like they're they're pretty. Um, they seem pretty capable and pretty organized, and that's mainly because they're controlled by the fate, and yeah. he organizes them. But one of the great things is, even with that control, there are a few things that they still won't do, and you, you get that here in that they don't like deep water. So yes, they'll cross a stream or a shallow river, but as the as, as the group arrive at Taran Ferry uh, with the mighty Taran River um the then you have um the deep water and so that's their escape route ultimately yeah. across the river it was it reminds me of um was it a brandywine ferry or brandy brook ferry from the lord of the rings <laughs> you know it's a similar kind of thing um, but here this is where we get you know a bit more of that sense from Rand, Matt, and Perrin, and, and, uh, Egwene at this moment anyway, um, that, well, what's going on? Because Moraine here sinks the boat to stop them yep. from using it, but is almost dismissive of the ferryman that that's a, his livelihood, but also his son is, is approaching to come and help. And they've kind of, they, they sort of ju- jumped that yep. because of the urgency to get across the river. Um, and she continues with the spell to sink it, even though the ferryman is going to try and rescue his livelihood effectively yep. and to get back to try and stop his son from turning up effectively because, well, yeah, there's a ton of Trollocs uh, on the other side. So I, I, I like that you get that shock. You know, we were saying what are the intentions, all of that, but it, it, it's kind of... um this is really where, you know, potentially you see the singular focus of Moraine. Oh, yes. Um, but there, there, there is a bit of, um, there's a bit of explanation, uh, to that, 
from her um, when they sort of set up camp after they've crossed. But I really like that. I love the um I love that one of them sort of fell into the water and yeah, went just to highlight that they don't like deep water. They can't swim. No. That's the the, the key thing is that <laughs> they're they hooves. Yeah. They just exactly their um, hooves kind of like lead weights that yeah. just pull them down. And um, and of course we get a great look at the fade. The as well. eyeless ones. Yeah. Uh, this for me, the the look at the fade, the eyeless one was amazing. Yeah, um, we had seen it in marketing previously, but it, it seems even better uh, in this final kind of final realized version. Um, and again, you like the, again they're dropping this little bit of lore where it's like they don't like to cross deep water, but the eyeless ones, the fade can pressure them through that yeah. over time and kind of so this isn't this was a this was a reprieve as we later find out but it was it's just not it's not an escape so seeing this and i i loved as you said that singular view push drive from moraine because yeah this man was going to basically undo all of the good by bringing the fairy all the way yeah. back um so that is and the to be fair his family was dead. Yeah, if they exactly. Were, if they were anywhere near that ferry, they were going to be dead anyway. So what was the point? Yeah. Um. But I like this, and then it continues to fracture Rand, Matt, Perrin, Aguin even more. Yeah. For at least three minutes with Aguin anyway. Yeah. Because very quickly they are campfired, and there you go. We we basically get Aguin, which for me is this scene that I was waiting for, this explanation of the, the wind, the wind yeah. and also the, the one power, how the, the explanation of the river, this floating with the river, yes. the going down. This is a huge piece from the books and it continues the whole length of this. And this explanation of how you, um, and we saw it very first in the very first episode she relaxed. She, she was thrown into the, the river by the, the woman's circle. She's thrown into the river by Nainive. And uh, she struggles and she starts to sink and everything. Else. It's only upon relaxing and going with the flow and yeah. flowing with the river that she's able to kind of survive. And again, that same imagery is described by Moraine here yeah. when talking through this gem, her gem, one of her gems. But uh, she, uh, the first two pulses of the one power were from Moraine. And then she says that final piece of light was from you. Yeah, and I I loved how subtly that oh, power true. was shown. You yeah. know, the first episode and even with the, the boat, you, you you see Moraine really, you know, strong sort of control of this yeah. one power. And here it's just so barely visible at the yeah. start and, and just, you know, builds just very slowly, but still quite limited. I love that. I thought that was really cool. And I think the other thing here is um, the the three uh, parts to the oath that oh, the Aes Sedai yeah. take. And this, this idea that, you know, uh, listen carefully to what is said, uh, you know, Egwene is, is, is challenging, um, Moraine about the death of the ferryman. And, you know, why did you kill him? And the, the three parts of this oath are speak no word that is untrue. Don't use 
the the one power as, as a weapon, except in the last extreme, if it's for the defense of your sisters or for your warder um, or, or yourself, yourself. Uh, and don't make a weapon that can kill another person. And, you know, Moraine diffuses um, Egwene here a bit. You know, in, in a sense, I would say uh, up until this point, she's you know, in the shock camp yeah. of the others. And here we have um, her being taken aside on her own, being taken through the, you know, if he had just gone back on the boat, he would have been killed anyway. Yeah. Um, and they would be in a worse position because the Trollocs would be able to come over on, on the ferry. And so she, she, she uses that, and the the other part of this then is, you know, you you do get the the one eye open from Rand seeing this happen, and um, and then after the next morning, you you really um, see Egwene kind of siding yeah. with with Moraine here against Rand's uh, uh, attack or, and and challenge to her and Lan about what they're actually doing, you know, what happens to men when we get to Tal Valon. And yeah. um, so I love that. But there's also that other side of the um what are they running from and and we get a glimpse of this in the collective uh, dreams here, as I do Edmund's field folk dream of shadowy ember-eyed sheep. Oh, yeah! I, I I love the idea that they've got this collective dream, and uh, all we do, all we see, I, I I have no idea necessarily. I mean, other than bats, vampires in the night, generally evil, <laughs> COVID spreaders, yeah. I guess you know. Um, so uh, that. Oh. But the, the 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 figure forming in the forest and um, with the eyes like embers, as described by Perrin, uh, was kind of was really cool. And again, it's just this 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 first notion of um, one of this group potentially being the dragon reborn, yeah. um, and that all of them have had it then Lan and Moraine are effectively none the wiser as to which one of them it could be. Yeah, and it's also planting the seed that, as Moraine says, dreams hold power. And dreams play a huge part um, in this book, in this series, in this show. Um, So this is the eyes of the Dark One. This is very much the the showing that this, that these four will... uh, be some of the most important folks or the focus on this. I like that they, from again, I know these this whole series quite well. So I know where it's going, but also that they are, for those who are just enjoying this for the first time ever, will have no previous history. And they are keeping you guessing in terms of what does this all mean? I don't understand. They're giving you enough I think quite visual, stark imagery. Yeah. You get a clue here. Only one of them pukes a bat. <laughs> Absolutely. That that's that feels like it could cause your mouth to bleed. Like oh, just slightly. Yeah. yeah, like eating a woodpecker. Um, because what you hear then is Matt talking. Uh, we don't hear what Perrin dreamed, but we hear Matt that uh, he walked up and he he saw someone uh, holding the bat in his hand. And uh, the crack of its neck. Yes. So he saw someone killing the bat. Uh, Rand 
puked the bat. Yeah. Um, well, and then see, we don't hear what Egwene or Perrin, they just all saw someone with the ember eyes. Um, and it, you see the shock on Moraine's face. And this was the fun part for me because yeah. it's like, she's like t- starting to dreams hold power. Dreams are important. Tell me if you see yeah. this again. I did straight away think this was like just a showing up madness or something. And I was like, ooh, where are we going? I very much enjoyed this. Jumping back slightly, just very quickly before we kind of move forward on the, the oaths. What I liked about this, as you said, is we, we see even further in when we post white cloak. Yeah. Where Egwene challenges Moraine on the oaths. You said you'd never lie. Yeah. And she goes, well, I didn't. Yeah. We are going to see my sisters. All of my sisters All within the, the ACDI yeah. are my family. And he's like, oh. Yeah. And it's, it's very much planting the seed. So one thing that was missing in the first episode is Tam's distrust yes. of the Aesodai and Tam being Rand's father. Because he's not fully named, is he? I don't he- remember hearing Tam being called Tam. No, I, I don't. But yeah. Yeah, it- yeah. So Tam is Rand's father. Um, and that, that distrust is there. And that was like, they are the snakes. Again, that snake imagery is throughout this, but it's that they, they're snakes, their slippery tongues, never trust them. Again, you start to hear this with their, the witches from the white cloaks, but they are, they, they are bound. They cannot lie. So they don't, but they bend the truth. Don't trust what you hear. That's it. I mean, it, it, it's the precision of language. I was going to say, you know, language um, Nazis or grammar Nazis are going to absolutely love Moraine because mm-hmm. of her precision as to how she uses language. Um, I think the other interesting thing, I, I was kind of interested that, you know, when Rand challenges her as well, she's like, I've had enough. I'm going. Yeah. And again, probably... Um, she does that because Egwene takes her side. Um, you know, she says, I, I would leave you behind as well. Yeah. And of course, it's all complicated a bit more because of their relationship. And, and effectively, um, I guess Rand is still taking the knockback that um, Egwene is, is looking to be a wisdom, which effectively means that she is... Um, on her own, yeah. no children, no marriage, and so on. Uh, so the, all that, and again, I, I just loved how this plays in the group, that she trots off, and it's kind of like, well, reluctantly, and I think it's best kind of uh, given by Matt here. Again, I really enjoyed Barney Harris uh, playing Matt here, um, where he's kind of like, look, I agree with you, Rand, about the Ace of Eye. But until we're safe, she shoots uh, fire from her hands. You know, I'm sticking with her yeah. because I'm not going to do anything against a horde of Trollocs and a Fade. So I thought that was like really sort of nicely done. It kind of ultimately, look, they're our best bet here in this situation. Yeah, but Lan was actually looking over them. He was watching them because we see when they trot off after them, Lan had stuck behind yeah. and was hiding in the back. And then we see him join later. Um, so again, it, this is just, oh, I have so much fun with this. It is um, good. It's just, we could go on for hours. The one bit, the, the choice, as you mentioned, Egwene being the wisdom. So her choice was she was going to be the apprentice wisdom. Yeah. I, that 
is mentioned by Moraine in that she's like, well, now you're going to become an Ace of Die. Yeah. She's given something yeah. else. And the um, douchery of Rand yes. um, is that he's lost his, his, bet- his well, betrothed, but not really betrothed. Um, the one he was going to marry and have kids, he lost her to the wisdom first. And now he's losing her to the Ace of Die. And he's like, no, she was mine. Ma. Yeah, and exactly. Like, oh, yeah, you, Don't you, make you, assumptions, yeah, Rand. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, you, you put an awful lot on Egwene uh, and probably didn't tell her. But I like that they do kind of resolve that. Yeah, because he, he says, I already lost you. Yes. Um, uh, but later on... Um, uh, and I, I guess segueing into our spoke three with the lost city um, or the abandoned city of Shadow Lagoth, um, you know, we do see them kind of holding hands. And he said, you know, I, I would never uh, turn my back on you because yeah. um, as well where she says, I just want you to look at me. Um, and, you know, so it, it kind of resolves itself here. Um, to some extent, but here, um, Shadow Lagoth, um, so really cool place. I, this was vivid for me, um, in, in the books. Um, it's not the original name for this abandoned city known as Aridal. Um, it is, has been renamed effectively, um, Shadow Lagoth, which in that tongue means the place where the shadow waits. And ultimately this city, um, during the great Trolloc Wars from however many turns of the wheel back it was, um, that this is the, this is the city that didn't send the troops and the aid to the Manetheran, uh, when they were called upon, when they defend, defended their, their city. We, we get that tale from, um, Moraine to this group as they're traveling uh, along because they, they break out into song, this old song. Um, and we, we hear that um, Moraine saying that the old blood runs deep in you. Uh, but it, it's the tale effectively of a, um, a, a very powerful um, kingdom within this world yep. that ultimately, even though it has a small army, uh, was able to fight off uh, hordes and hordes of Trollocs being sent uh, at them by the Dark One because they were a thorn in his side. But yep. this city didn't send the um, the reserves, the backup, uh, like they were asked to. So um, And they built a massive wall. They yeah. walled themselves in. And there's something really stark, isn't there, when yep. they said, and after the war, people came here for refuge and they knocked on the door and there was no answer. Yep. And you're like going... Okay, what is going on? And not only that, but again, two big red flags is that the Trollocs certainly don't want to go anywhere yeah. near it. So they're afraid of abandoned cities with scary names and um, deep water. Yep. And Moraine is also, you know, is this because she 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 questions Lan about the route that he's taking because it is skirting this city um you know and warns him we shouldn't go in and i do like the fact that you know through this whole episode we see um, moraine from her injury but also because she's using the the true source so much um just slowly she you know she's fading and the power her health and from all of these is fading. And I like the fact that she doesn't know she's been taken there because she's passed out effectively and wakes up and is like, 
where have you taken you us like the, the, us yeah exactly <laughs> like what a great thing like it's kind of like waking up after a real heavy night on the drink uh, and you're like okay where am i <laughs> why is there a tiger in the you know that kind of thing um it's like uh, okay uh, but this was yeah this was cool i, I love this for me this was again they're they're sprinkling in some really great lore here. So yeah. the the history of the Metheran and the old blood runs strong in this in this valley, i.e. the two rivers. The Metheran, their descendants are now those of the two rivers. So the the Rand and the Perries and the Matt. Yeah. That's what we're led to believe. And then that these this something happened to Shadar Lagoth and we don't know what. And you get that one of the best and the, the bits and it's just it's even mentioned here. Shh, do you hear that? There's yeah. no insects. There's no birds. Yeah. So still. And I was like, wait, what are you? And they did. They cut all back ambient noise, all background yeah, noise, yeah. except yeah. for the horse hooves were pulled from that. And I was like, oh, that's just eerily still yeah. in the back. Well, even the horses are scared. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you do kind of pity, um, horses in some respect because it's like, you know, the, 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 the dig into their side from their rider and it's like, I don't really want to go that no. way. Why are you <laughs> forcing me to go this way? Uh, no. And it's, it's kind of like, actually, the other little sprinkling of backstory here that we get is, um, Egwene, mentions one of the horses by name with bell yeah uh, yeah which is uh, you know I, in the the book has bell as as a bit of a figure in, 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 in yeah character in yeah. her own right yeah. um and that was a nice little touch here uh in this moment so we do officially have bell yes the rest I, of their troops don't have they haven't named their horses yet no. which is i'm hoping will happen as okay well. okay um what one actually again jumping back we do get that uh, you cannot use the one power to heal yourself. Yes. So we do know that, as you were talking about Moraine's wound, that is trollic poison. Yeah. So like with is, Tam. Like with Tam. Yeah. Exactly. She could cure the trollic poison, but she's unable to do it for herself. So it's been spreading. They haven't really got really into... She just mentions in the first episode that it's trollic poison. So... In the books, it is there was a whole, it's a, a lot more explained. Oh, really? In that it's just like it is some of the. Do most, they give you a recipe? Not, not that much. <laughs> we could use it for some of our <laughs> enemies, but no, it's it's that it is like the most kind of. It's almost like black tar, and it oozes and aches on their weaponry, but it just festers in uh, the okay, wounds, yeah. and one scratch can. Uh, on your leg can mean that your leg must come off to in order to kind of amputate the wound or right, so you basically yeah well speaking of scratches on legs we do see Perrin yeah. with two two scrapes and whether that was from one of the weapons or maybe from the horns or, yeah. or whatever or when he was fighting them in the smithy um who knows but i mean I I I kind of had this down as a note because not really to spoil anything, yeah. but um, the the wolves in the forest with Perrin um, sort of made my heart sing, um, and I guess you know people will put one and one together anyway and come up with two. So, uh, but I, I I'm really excited to see how that treatment um, 
of of Perrin and and his affinity with wolves yes. uh, comes out because I think it's really I I really enjoyed that element in in uh, in the story. But here again, it's just it, it's it's sprinkled in and um, it was good to see the little hint. Yeah, one thing I'll I'll, I'll call out for Rafe and it's about definitely Amanda in this episode. Their choice to take and foreshadow a lot of these things, but they're actually. Stuff that would not be fully realized or discussed until quite later in the books in the series and even the book itself, the book one, which most of this season is based on, apparently. They, they've, they're putting these small breadcrumbs. Yeah. And I think one of the enough that in episode two, I know our listeners, um, our fellow wheelers and the rest of the audience are going, what's going on with the wolves? Why did they just go lick? Uh, and uh, what? And then literally, that's enough to make you kind of, and I hope they don't, Yeah. I hope they explore it a bit more in this, this season because you do what you don't want is that's just a, a loose thread into season two. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. it, it will make people kind of go, what? I, I don't, what? Yeah. Because <laughs> it is enough of a, thing it, it was it was a standout what three minutes not even like two and a half minutes oh yeah absolutely yeah. um it, and it, interestingly you know the the lead wolf of of the pack uh comes up and and licks yeah. his wound hopefully to you know save him and prevent any infection and, and then just trots off so yeah it, it you know moment of danger but the danger doesn't happen and it's like you know, there's an affinity there uh from that and you know he's a dog lover rather than a cat lover yes, exactly. ultimately exactly. and i guess is what we're saying but i think that's back to the city and yes. um, because like for me um really enjoyed how this all played out um in in the episode to be honest I, and in particular um you know you can tell there's something off as you say no birds no insects no people uh, an abandoned city here but um what is really good is 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 seeing Matt here, um, yeah. go, sort of w- waking up, um, and then following. You know, the, there's the hint of of a shadow. Uh, it casts in the uh, on against the light here, and it, it looks like the shape of a person yep. here. So, I mean, the the interesting uh, aspect here is what follows with the. Um, the uh, attack on all of them is that it, it, it's this blackness that just creeps over everything. But here we kind of get a definite feeling of a shadow of a person. Yes. Um, and Matt follows that and, and finds this box with a very sort of gold ornate dagger with a, a red ruby, ruby yeah. uh, at the hilt. Um, interestingly, um, Right at the start, Lan says here, you know, evil grew from the city's heart and eat only what you've brought and touch nothing. And here we have Matt touching this dagger. So I, you know, this is potentially not good news um, in terms of what he will result from this. We and we don't know if he's pocketed or not. Did, no. Like literally because straight away we are the the 
horses are kind of yeah dusting yeah. <laughs> and gaming yeah. i thought i thought the effect of that was oh. like because the head was still kind of going and and and, and neighing and panicked but its body had turned to yeah. dust and then it all went to dust and i thought you know some people say, well, CGI, you know, CGI for CGI's sake, but it was just like such a good effect. Oh, and it was, it was, it's that. It's the, the, the visualization of a creeping shadow that destroys. It, it's, it's, and it was, it's like the symbiote from kind of, kind of the Marvel universe. It's yeah. just that kind of crawling ichor that kind of goes everywhere. But this was just, it, it's, and you can tell that it is, intelligent yeah because it does start to split and follow yeah it, and as they as they run as they are basically chased across the city um definitely and like i really like this because in a sense the group was splitting anyway and now we have this real split yes. three ways rand and matt have had have been forced to go one way perrin and Egwene have gone the other i like the fact that you know, in all the shows, you could see that they would pair Rand and Egwene. Oh, of course. And um, I, but I love that she's with Perrin, and and Lan and Moraine are also separated here from from yep. the people that they're trying to discover if they're the 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 dark one. So this was really good. But I love the escapes of the two of them. I, that that shot, um, as as Matt and Rand go through that, uh hole yeah, to get out kind of and, and it just all fills up with the black and it heads towards them they get out they manage to escape but then the the black comes out of it and yeah. then it's like uh-oh i'm outside the gate i'm outside the city yeah. Yoink. back in it comes and with perrin and, and with egwene that looks a well egwene's had practice jumping off True. um high points <laughs> into into water um perrin seemed a little less sure of, of doing this um, but yeah, I thought that was just a nice little bit of danger for, for the group, to be honest. I, for me, this was just, it was fantastic. It was that chase through, you get to see so much of the, they visualize the, the, the architecture of the city. Yeah. Like you could see when, say, Rand and Egwene like, were overlooking the, 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 the horizon yeah. of the city. And then you see as they, Egwene uh, and Perrin are on the, the, the wall you saw the pure size yeah, of it and, yeah. and it was all black coming towards them yeah and it was just yeah the, as they essentially take the leap of faith from assassin's creed yeah yeah i really want to know how much that hurt the stunt actor because perrin doesn't land soft no a green at least kind of <laughs> looks like she kind of got her legs in this straight down but the the actor or the stunt actor for Perrin, yeah, that looked like it. It was almost like a, a an, an ass flop, and I was like, "That was gonna sting." I in the know, morning. I like, know. Uh, that was all red. I know. I I like the little touches as well, you know, because of of Rand and Matt, like they they get out onto a beach, but I like the fact that they they take the log. Yeah, like I just thought that was kind of a nice little touch. Um, to be honest, and. The other thing is, I have to say, I, I really, really like Matt here. When they're escaping, uh, and Rand says to him, hoist me up yeah. to get him over, and he says, why don't you hoist me up? Yep. Like, why, why am I the one being left, you know, in, in harm's way? 
Uh, so I just I love the pitter patter from from Matt uh, throughout this. So this was really cool. But just speaking of Matt, just going back to the uh, yes, dagger exactly. For you, did you think that the dagger was calling to him? Like, because there was a, a, a sound. There, like, yes. Like, I, I thought I heard Matt. I didn't. I don't I know did. if I heard that. I heard something. It was just like it's kind, that of, kind of like yeah, yeah, calling to yeah. him. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, that's very much. But he needs a new dagger because we get this beautiful scene between him and Perrin. Yes, where he basically hands over his knife. The utility utensil that was basically built or forged by Perrin's late wife yeah. or wife to be. I, that wasn't fully clear to me in the first one, but anyway, because um, <laughs> it was like, are they married? Are they not married? She was pregnant, I'm assuming, because she held her belly and yeah. held his hand. Anyway, um, what we do find is that, yeah, basically we get this beautiful scene from Matt where he says, like, she would never build a a weapon, uh, so she only built me this knife as for utility, but I kept it sharp in case I ever needed to use it. Yeah, it was um, really nice, and it was that. Just a, yeah. It was a nice, tender moment, and... I think that's the other sort of notch on the belt for Matt as well, because in the first episode as well, you, you see him just putting his hand on... I think it was Perrin or on 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 Rand. Um, yeah, I think it was Rand again. Just that comforting thing, yeah. and, you, and you see him with his, his two younger sisters as well. Yes. Like, and I th- I think that's a really nice dynamic. He is he's someone who's you know hard up uh, for for money and, and for for luxury. He has dysfunctional parents. But he to abso- say the least. <laughs> to say the least, yeah. But, you know, he, he loves his younger sisters, is is looking out for them, and his friends as well. And you really get that sense here. Yeah. Um, and it, it was really nice. He's um, the gambler, the carouser, the thief, yeah. but with a heart. And Yeah, exactly. And yet it, it it's kind of contrasted with the fact that Perrin knows what actually happened. Yeah. You know, it's like Egwene has, has said how... it. You know, the Trollocs, it's the attack. Yeah. So at the moment, it's still the the Trollocs killed her. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see that come out as well. Yeah. No, very much. But moving towards the end of the, our, our final spoke here now, so the group is splintered. We, we, yeah. Aguin and Perrin are, um, basically swimming to shore somewhere. Um, we have Matt and Perrin rowing kind yeah. of yeah. on the log. <laughs> And Lan and Moraine are outside with a third person. Yes. This was cool. Yeah, this was really This is a nice introduction or reintroduction of Nynaeve and the badassery of the wisdom of the Edmondsville Two Rivers. Like, just the, the sword on the neck of Lan. Where are they? Yes. Our listeners know. Uh, or long time listeners, I should say. No, I always talk about that Netflix ending, that that kind of which is now perforated into most shows. Which is that, hey, we're putting something that cliffhanger enough so that you're going to wait those ten seconds 
yeah. for the next episode to roll in. Definitely. And the fact that we don't, as a podcasters, because we're like, we're going to watch this episode, then podcast, I'm going to watch. I was like, last night, as I watched this, I was like, <laughs> no, but I just want to see what the... I, <laughs> I know, whoa. I know. That was really good. I'm so glad Nynaeve is back here. Um, and like, it's a great, it's a great ending, and it's great, yeah, as yeah. you say. Off we go for episode three. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of yeah all of it. So, do you have any notes that you want to go through? I just I, I have uh, a couple of notes. Just uh, one is um, it. Moraine says to to Matt and Rand, Perrin and Egwene. You know, it's good to remember uh, the Menethrin. Yep. Um, and that is in in the old tongue is Mountain Home, which is now the two rivers so before it there were these quaint villages of of, of the of emmons field there used to be a a, a much bigger city yeah. i guess or town here very well known huge reputation um and one of the kingdoms of this world yeah. um, and we see this we see like in the very first episode you see some of the massive towers that have been aged away into basically just kind of hollow mountains we see them past the aqueducts in this episode yeah they're they're broken so it is from the 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 age before and the 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 post breaking by the original dragon um so it's great you you see it sprinkled in all these in this in in this very cute way like it's just it's in the background it's not like look over there it's very much just that it's there in the background yeah, definitely. The other interesting thing just to pull out is uh, Egwene and Perrin have a conversation early on and Egwene's saying, do you think we'll ever go back? And Perrin's quite forthright here. Mm. No. Yep. Um, but, you know, you, you get the sense they're all wanting to return back to the two rivers. Um, but Perrin here is is no. And I'm wondering to what extent is that because he understands the situation of, of what's going on uh, with them effectively running for their lives from the fade or is it the guilt from what yep. he knows uh, and that that yeah, <laughs> and what he did and um, and that him being unsettled and i guess it's that yeah. ultimately rather than uh, he would probably love to but he just knows if he goes back there it's the memory of what he did yep. and the secret he has to keep no, it's very much for me the 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 pessimist in in Perrin in that or the realist I should say that that their their story is just beginning but their lives are forever changed. Yeah. Um. And oh, I hope to see more of that. I have just one quick one, which is the 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 song that they sing. Yeah. The the folk song. Um. It's no toss a coin to your Witcher. Um, no. But it's definitely. There's some chops there. They those these guys can carry a tune. They really um, can. And actually. I was like, I was bopping away. I was like, I'm hoping they do a few more of these yeah. every now and again. I thought they did it really well. I mean, and I guess my frame of reference for this is okay. It, it it's not Harry Potter singing, but it's him um, dancing. Yes, yeah, and, and with the song, and it just how awkward it was with um, Hermione. Yeah. I know they weren't singing, but it was just like that kind of thing can 
it it just felt so awkward in, in Harry Potter. Whereas like the dancing in the village for the bell team yeah. and the, the feast of 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 lights felt really good. And this too, I as soon as Matt started up the tune, I was thinking, oh no, we're gonna have one of these moments. But actually, <laughs> yeah, they all came in and they all sounded really, really yeah, good. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm hoping we get a bit more of that. They they like hopefully we get some kind of. Like the bard-like characters and things like that that will just sing every now and again and break out into because that's what you want with these kind of Wheel of Time kind of Lord of the Rings, The Witcher, that kind of high fantasy that there always is that kind of folksy element song and kind of like the tale of the Manethrin. And I I thought that exposition around the Manethrin because of so I think you can have exposition where it feels like it, it seems a bit unnatural or, or, yeah, or, or out of context <laughs> yeah. because um, of how it's introduced. I mean, not that it's awkward or it, 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 it detracts from anything, but you just kind of think, yeah, I would never have had that conversation with my dad no. or something like that. Whereas because it's coming from this song that they're doing and then you have Moraine sort of explaining effectively their culture and yeah. traditions from from where they've been born and brought up that that felt really really good yeah. no, um no. so I, I i thought this was really well done actually in, in some of the exposition here but i think that's it for for notes um so dare i say it we have spoken uh, <laughs> on episode oh, two fantastic. i know on episode two um of uh the wheel of time shadows waiting chris uh did you enjoy this second episode absolutely loved it um from start to finish this was that kind of flea episode that that kind of the you get that they are on the run, as you said at the very beginning. They are running for their lives and their dreams, um, or on, in the ground and on their dreams, other way around, on the ground and in their dreams, yes. if you could say. Um, and it's fun. It's it's it, you're getting a lot of exposition, you're getting a lot of characters, you're getting a lot of hints and breadcrumbs. Some that will pay off later, some that will hopefully pay off in season two, maybe. Hopefully a few more so in season one so that you can kind of jump into it. I like how they're portraying it. The only criticism, and it's not even a criticism because again, they're, they're, it's their own adaptation of the, the source material yeah. is I always had that Rand was more sheep herderish and uh, was like the, the lug head, the kind of, not the, he, he was, Perrin's the gentle giant. Matt is the, the, the carousing gambler, like boisterous lad. And Rand was the quiet kind of more, more introspective. Yeah, exactly. And he, cause you got in the books, you get, a, it's a lot of it, some of it, a lot of it is told in his head yeah. as the main narrator. So they chose the path of him being, and I, I, douchey is that kind of, is that that kind of just like, gee, like, I don't remember him being that kind of aggressive towards the Aesodai and things like that. Like, he was, they're all cautious. Yeah. He just seems a bit more... I I, I think it's episode one, I, I think they could have done more between him and his dad. Yes. And his dad giving 
him advice around how he should be should, wary uh, yes, exactly. around the Ace of Die yeah. and the and the tales of maybe you know of of what he thinks about them yeah. and and you you didn't get that no. uh, um, in in the same way no. and as a result i think ran it, it maybe is appearing as though it's coming from from nowhere but i think in reality of, of uh, and and the i guess the the logic of it is that effectively his dad has told him to be wary yeah. of, of this and 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 to be careful about um around them so i i think it's that and plus then with the everything else going the fairy on man and all that yeah you see it then but it's just it's missing a crux of a seed to what blossomed in this episode see i i feel there might be flashbacks back to and yeah. um, emmons field and, and two rivers okay. at, at some point um in in this season yeah to a few more bits and bobs that happened before in the village yeah. before the attack by the phase especially based on who Rand's father is the actor because my assumption is he didn't they didn't get him in for like here you're here for just one episode and not even all the scenes <laughs> <laughs> he's a big enough actor yeah but anyway that was my thoughts john did you enjoy the second episode of wheel of time I really did. I thought this really built on episode uh, one. I'd give this um, four birdie burgers out of five. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I just in, I enjoyed the introduction of the white cloaks. I love the the fairy scene. I love the splintering um, or the disagreement and, and the different views in the group towards the, effectively these these two strangers still uh, of Moraine and Lan. I, I loved that. As well, that led to the real splintering at uh, Shadur Lagoth, um, with the shadow attacking them. And to be honest, that was just amazing in the, um, getting Matt, uh, finding the, the dagger, uh, at, at the abandoned city. I really like as well that, you know, even with all this immense power that the Ace Sedai carry, I I really enjoyed the the rules around yeah. that that with the three oaths, but also seeing you know Moraine throughout the course of this episode losing that strength, um, whether it was from tapping into the one power to to help keep all the horses fresh in in their sort of flight from yeah. from the Trollocs, to the fact that you know if she gets hit with a dagger, it has consequences, and um, I really like that. You know, I think Lan gave enough concern here that you know this is real um and i i, I love the the different bits of um of the mythology and lore that were brought into this and how they were done uh whether it was around menethrin or shudder lagoth uh, as well so yeah for me this was um four birdie burgers uh, out of five be careful that bun will cut you <laughs> along with the bones uh, I mean, oh. yeah it's well i guess it's like crispy duck really isn't it yeah but, but i mean the it, shatter yeah but i mean if chris you know if you went for sort of crispy duck pancakes and because you can eat the bones yeah like, like but if that started to like cut the ribbons off you in in yeah, your mouth because no. i mean I, I get that with a baguette sometimes wasn't there the whole thing with gold slagger that shot that had the little flex of gold oh, that used to yeah. cut your throat to engage your alcohol the alcohol would get into your was, system was that? that was the that was that the is a myth. slide it was yeah. complete 
yeah. Talking of mythology, I guess that is a myth yeah. of Goldschlag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of alcohol, though. Yes, indeed. Sadly, fellow wheelers, we cannot return to the Winespring Inn, given uh, the state it was in uh, at the end of episode one. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty well destroyed there. So um, I, I guess that's been rebuilt before we can go back in there. But we will pop into another inn in this world, the Stag and Lion, uh, as we work our way through the Wheel of Time pub quiz. Do it. Yes, it is episode two, and as such, it is question two. Uh for this question, in the story told by Moraine, how many days did the army of the Menethrin hold out against those little dastardly trollocs? Yeah, the, the, the beasts, the beasts that are men or not men, I should say. Yeah, there's some kind of corruption, aren't yeah. they? But just to repeat that. In the story told by Moraine, how many days did the army of Menethrin hold out against the Trolloc bombardment? Yes. Answers on the back of a postcard. This postcard in the electronic format, also known as an email, to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Yes, and of course, uh, send in those answers um, each week, or you can send them all in together, and at the end of the series uh, one, then we will be um, pulling someone out of a hat. Yes. Uh, not literally, but the, the, the person with the most correct answers, uh, we will be doing the tombola for some Wheel of Time goodies, which are, are yet to be decided on. Yeah, um, we will figure it we out. We will certainly figure we'll it out. See what the merch is like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, see what merch comes from this. But uh, yeah, that is the pub quiz. Hello there, fellow wheelers. It's Derek, and I'm breaking in on the, on John and Chris's discussion of episode two of Wheel of Time. Yes, who is this interloper? <laughs> and where has Chris gone? Have you shapeshifted in some ways, Chris? You, uh, you sound different and look very different. I do look very different. Uh, no, um, there is only two seats in our podcast room, so I've kicked Chris out um, so that we can hear it from our awesome fellow wheelers. Uh, is what we're calling them, apparently, uh, in this episode for <laughs> Wheel of Time, episode two. <laughs> well, uh, I just couldn't do uh, two words. Um, it just didn't trip off the tongue. I was saying dragon reborners, mm, reborn dragons. Um, yeah, very confusing. So wheelers. And I think we were thinking of timers, but I, I just thought, I kept thinking old timers. Right, And yeah. I thought, no, let's just do wheelers or wheelies wheels. or, yeah. yeah. Let's go for wheelies for the moment. I like that. I like that. Uh, I want to say a huge thank you to John and Chris for taking over and, uh, and covering episode two and three. Um, I absolutely loved both of these episodes. Actually, episode three, which we'll be talking about next, was my favorite of the first three. And I think it's uh, um, really kind of you guys to step in and take over for me while I had to actually do um, my day job. Yeah, well, exactly. We, we, yeah. we love the... The the new dynamic yeah. um, combo of right. myself and Chris. Yeah, we have pod- never just podcasted together yeah, on, on our own before. Six years on the on TV podcast industries. So I don't think the two of you guys have ever done an episode together. I feel like there's one Daredevil episode back in the day. Yeah, that maybe the two of you were together on, but it's been at least four or five years. It's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get on to some feedback. Uh, first up, we've got an email in from Coffee and Vodka on episode two, who says, "Greetings, fellow harried travelers. <laughs> Normally not a fan of on." the road adventures but this was really really good high stakes necessary exposition new foes a creepy demon and my favorite of all a haunted city state can't have been the only one to think fool of a tuck when matt took the blade also though not a detriment and despite older characters replacing the tween aged ones in the novels this still has a very ya feel to it 
four out of five bat hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> Take care and on to episode three. Thanks, Coffee Vodka. Excellent stuff. Yeah, definitely. You, you know, um, when, when the armies of darkness are chasing you and even they hang back, you realize, um, it is, is not necessarily the best uh, place to go and and to seek sanctuary. Yeah, I love Moraine waking up after being passed out from her injuries, just saying, Mm. uh, what have you done to us? You've doomed us all. Uh, Yes. So really good stuff. Really good. Oh, yes. And uh, and Matt's going to take that blade when he's uh, listening to the whispering voice (laughs) tell him to go to get it. Yes, uh, definitely a moment of... What are you doing? That can't be a good thing to go no, for. No, absolutely. City. <laughs> um, in terms of the YA kind of feel to the, the young adult kind of feel to this story, it's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of people are comparing this to maybe the new Game of Thrones because it's on TV. Um, and I do think it has much more in common with Lord of the Rings. Um, but Lord of the Rings famously doesn't have any romantic relationships in the book. And then for the movie, they put in the, the big love story for Aragorn, uh, in, which is much more central than the movie. But because this show feels very like Lord of the Rings and they're adding in the relationship elements of it, it can kind of feel a bit YA because you're not getting the sex scenes that you would get in, in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones famously entire first season was full frontal nudity while they had, while they explained the exposition that you needed to learn about the show to keep their audience interested. It was a very 18s plus rated show for that first well, season yeah. and then it went down to violence for the rest of the seasons kind of thing um but i guess because wheel of time isn't going to be doing that it's aimed at a much wider audience than than game of thrones it can come across uh, when you're having those kind of um relationship stuffs between uh, two young adults that it is coming from a young adult novel <laughs> but thanks Vodka. great to hear your thoughts hopefully uh, you'll enjoy episode three Yes, uh, thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Over on Facebook, Dr. Bob Phillips says, Core, that Venice of the dead with the creeping Terrigen mold was properly scary. Uh Before one became three, I was wondering how they seemed very much alike the Three Musketeers, with D'Artagnan, the Wind Whisperer, Athos, the Blacksmith's Husband, Aramis and his Ginger, Mountaineering, and Porthos with the Carousing and Petty Thieving. (laughs) How will our divided heroes get on? Mm. Uh, Yeah, uh, nice little... uh, Nice little comparison there with the Three Musketeers plus one. Um, it was, yeah, definitely. Um, I can see what you where that's going, and I love uh, you. I was trying to different ways of how do you describe this this creeping shadow, um, and I think Terrigen Mold uh, is a nice descriptor oh, I like of this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good. That's well. <laughs> um, I also like uh, Rand being um, famous for his ginger mountaineering. Uh, <laughs> excellent stuff thanks Dr. Bob yeah thanks Bob Deanna DeBrian Maskell says this show is delivering atmosphere in spades I know this is rich source material but they are handling it so well I just love the shades between good and evil and never really knowing where in the spectrum our characters fall and the actors continue to be amazing so much delivered with a look or gesture the setting and score are wonderful oh Matt I hope this is not when we lose you and Nynaeve I'm so glad to have you back I've been very worried, but your return is everything I could have hoped for and couldn't be happier. Yeah, nice little surprise return for me, anyway, for, for Nynaeve at the end of the episode. I thought it was one of those ones where um, it's kind of a bit of a trope where somebody's bringing someone into the special magical um, world. So Nynaeve bringing in Egwene into this kind of special magical world and then the master gets killed. 
um, at the start. So that's what I thought had happened to Nynaeve at the first episode. That was it. We'd never see her again. She's already kind of introduced Egwene to this world and then she's gone from the show. So great to see her back in episode two. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad she came back so quickly here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, Omat, uh, just such a good moment, though, him finding uh, that that blaze with the ruby stone as well. Mm-hmm. It's so iconic for his character. Interesting, interesting. Thanks so much, Diana. Yes, thanks, Diana. Uh, Dan Lee says, another good episode. As I mentioned before, I've not read the books, so I'm struggling slightly with the different factions and who has power. For example, why the White Cloaks are after the Aes Sedai. Mm -hmm. Was going to do some Google research, but didn't want to spoil anything. Apart from that, it's great, and the visuals are stunning. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet there are many different factions uh, here. I I think just, you know, broadly in the world, there are many different kingdoms. So, you know, there's Andor. In, In this episode... We also get to hear of a, a very old kingdom of the Menethrin. Um, mm-hmm. So th- there's all these different kingdoms in the wider world of the Westland, um, as opposed to the Eastlands and the Wastelands um, were, were, I guess, a bit more like Mordor in, in a okay. sense, um, if you're looking for that comparison. Right. Um, but uh, certainly the White Cloaks here, um, just having read book one, and um, this is a new thing for me, actually, uh, right. as well. Certainly, they will seek out as not just a Sedai, but also uh, friends of the Dark One. Oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Because I, I, yeah, I'm, I know what you mean, Dan. I think I mentioned last episode with the the um, Fades, the Eyeless One, and the uh, the Trollocs. I thought they were one faction versus the Aes Sedai, and really, what we have here is this kind of third faction, the White Cloaks who seem much more antagonistic to the Sedai. Any ones they find, they kill, basically. So uh, so it feels like there's much more um, good versus evil in some sense, but both seem um, not completely good or not completely evil. So it'll be really interesting. This is, I'm sure, the story that will play out and, and the information that we'll get, of course, of, across the, the whole season. But it is uh, really interesting seeing all these factions build up as the show goes on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Dan. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dan. Also on Facebook, Victor Von Doom says, I'm a Rosamund Pike fan, so I'm already sold on this series. Haven't read the books, so I'm ready to write this one out. The Dark Forces scare the hell out of me. I hope I don't wake up puking bats. Randall Thor needs to get over being dumped. I have a feeling it will happen again. Salutations, Derek, John and Chris, for all your podcast efforts. Thanks so much, Victor. Yeah, thank you, Victor. Um, it's uh, thanks for the the salutations. Mm. Uh, really good. It's also really good having your feedback as well. Yeah, I mean the dark forces here are are really good. I, I think the the fade is so well realized, uh, mm. but also um, I think the Trollocs are. I, I've, I've mentioned this yeah. um, numerous times, but I, I just feel that they are they're handled really, really nicely in terms of like half beast, half half human and um, you know some of them running on on all fours some of them up yeah. on their hind legs uh it, it's really really good and uh yeah rosamund pike um is superb she's great isn't yeah. she and i love this with these kind of big budget shows that are going on on netflix and on, on amazon prime and on disney and stuff where they get 
particular actors on board and they'll bring in people that may not even look at shows like this uh, otherwise. So uh, so great casting there from Rosamund Pike. And as I mentioned, I think um, Gone Girl is a really good example of her voiceover and how, how much she's able to give to voicing uh, roles. So her use here as the guiding kind of exposition uh, person works really well because she can pretty much say anything. I think it sounds amazing. Did you, did you hear that she's um, doing the audiobooks of all 15 uh, books of the Wheel of Time. Oh, excellent. A brand new version of it that are being released over the next couple of months. Well, probably over the next couple of years. Well, I was going to say, that's kind um, of in the wheelhouse of Stephen Fry doing the Harry Potter one. So yeah, exactly. I would say she's got five years of... Uh, a lot of work. There you go. She'll do it on set over the next five years while waiting for her next uh, next scene. <laughs> exactly. Thanks so much, Victor. Thanks, Victor. And thanks to everybody for your feedback. And uh, thanks again, John and, uh, and Chris, um, for allowing me to interrupt you with uh, with the feedback of our wonderful uh, fellow wheelers. Yes. I'm not, I'm not ready for that one yet. I'll be back in episode three with feedback uh, on episode three as well. And if you want to send in any feedback on any future episodes, remember we're putting out our episodes on Saturdays, 5 p.m. GMT, so you can get your feedback in after watching the episodes each week. Yes, thanks so much, uh, fellow wheelers, for all your feedback. Keep it coming in. It's great to get your thoughts on this series. Please send in your feedback uh, in any which way you can. You can email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can leave a voicemail over on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. Also, you can join our Facebook group where we have our spoiler posts. Just head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV Podcast Industries. Any theories, thoughts, questions, comments, uh, you name it, send it in uh, for our feedback section. Yes. If you like what you hear and you're joining us for the first time, why not consider subscribing to the podcast? You can get us on every Apple podcast, podcast catcher, Google podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. So please subscribe, write a review, share the love by sharing the podcast or if you really enjoy what you hear, why not head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries where you can support us for a silver, copper or gold coin. Uh, yes. Or if you want to support our illustrious, uh, producer who is not on this because he's probably editing, aka working, uh, <laughs> you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI where you can literally buy him a coffee as he toils away into the wee hours of the night tonight editing this podcast yes uh, but thank you so much fellow wheelers for joining us we are going to be back very soon for episode three of the wheel of time uh, called a place of safety and um, we are also going to be covering as of next week marvel's hawkeye as well so it will be a full schedule from tv podcast industries with lots and lots of content for you to enjoy as the as the evenings draw in as the the threat of trollocs outside and um, begins to rise and um, by trollocs i guess i mean covid and um, <laughs> then oh, lots of bow and arrows essentially <laughs> coming basically bow and arrow themed in both wheel of time and marvel's hawkeye exactly but thanks so much for joining us it is a pleasure as always uh chit-chatting with you guys and ladies but remember there are no beginnings or endings but this is the end of the podcast keep watching keep listening and keep wheeling bye <laughs>